Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life Adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And if you are new to this podcast, welcome. We are glad that you have joined us. What's going to happen is every week on this podcast, we're going to be discussing one of the sessions in Bible Studies for Life. And so my co-host, Chris Johnson, why don't you take a moment and tell us about the study we're jumping into? Hey, Lynn, we are starting a study called Staying True in a World Far from God. So all of the six sessions uh, of this study will come from um, portions of the Bible out of the book of Daniel. So we're not doing a study of Daniel, but we're doing six sessions that deal with how do we stay true in a world far from God. I think most um, of our listeners and many people in our churches sometimes feel like, man, the world's changed. And we'll talk about that a lot in um, in the set, in each of the sessions that we'll be in. So uh, it is my pleasure to introduce G.B. Howell. G.B. is the writer of the personal study guide content for this study. G.B., welcome to our podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, G.B. did an outstanding job writing this. I think you're going to enjoy the content. Uh, G.B. and I have known each other for a little over 20 years. Uh, I was the content editor for Let's Worship magazine, and this guy, G.B. Hal, contacted me to say, hey, I'm doing research for a Ph.D., and my research is on worship. Is there a way that you could use any of my content as an article? And uh, so that's what we did. We set it up. GB wrote uh, for me. Uh, we actually set it up as a series of articles. Um, and uh, he did a great job and he got his PhD. Good for you. Thank you. It was a lot of work. A little while after that, we were going through some change at Lifeway and uh, I told, I phoned GB and said, hey, man, I don't know if we're going to be able to do these other articles. Uh, there's some changes going on. I'm not going to be the editor of Let's Worship. So that'll be somebody else's decision. GB, you said? I said, well, who's going to get your job? <laughs> and Chris Johnson said, I don't know. Would you be interested? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> what does that mean? So I connected GB with uh, our manager, my manager at the time and recommended him. And, and he came to Lifeway and we've been friends throughout. Good friends and grateful I got to work at Lifeway. Uh, GB, tell these folks what you did at, at the end of your time at Lifeway and, and some of what makes you uh, the perfect person to write this study. Uh, my passion has always been research. I developed that when I was in college. That certainly came in handy when I was working on my PhD. Uh, the gentleman who had been the editor of one of Lifeway's other publications entitled Biblical Illustrator was retiring. They were looking for somebody to fill his position. And my hiring boss said, put my name in and said, I think this GB Howell is the guy. And so I got interviewed and interviewed and interviewed. And next thing you know, I'm moving from Let's Worship to Biblical Illustrator. It was a magazine that dealt with archaeology and history, warfare, people, culture, background information for the Bible study lessons. Got to do that until I retired and sadly until Biblical Illustrator became a casualty of COVID. One of the last things you worked on was the Bible that uses content, articles, 
uh, and, and photos from Biblical Illustrator. It is called, uh, it's called the Holy Land Illustrated Bible. It was a great opportunity to get to work on this wonderfully unique resource. Part of the beauty of Biblical Illustrator magazine was that our writers were the cream of the crop, people who were um, researchers and writers. Most of them were professors that specialized in a particular area of study. For instance, Old Testament, New Testament, Hebrew, Greek, um, archaeology. And so those are the type of articles that are in the Bible, and uh, it ended up being a great resource. And uh, I, although I am sad the magazine is no longer in production, I'm delighted that the Bible serves as a legacy and a helpful legacy for those interested in Bible study. Well, I have a copy of the Holy Land Illustrated Bible, and it really is a great resource. It and really one of is. the books you'll find in the Holy Illustrated Study Bible is the book of Daniel, which is where our study is coming from this morning. How was that for a segue? Perfect. So our first session in Daniel chapter one, uh, as, as we unpack this in just a moment, oh, here's the point I want you to keep in mind as we dialogue. And as you get into your group and you dialogue, keep this before you, that it's our convictions not our circumstances that define who we are. It's our convictions, not our circumstances that define who we are. So we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter one, uh, and I'm going to just begin reading in verse three, and then uh, GB and Chris, I'm going to turn it back over to you. This is verse three. The king ordered Asphanaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility, young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledge, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to attend the king. Among them, from the Judeites, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief eunuch gave them names. He gave the name Belteshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. So, Lynn, I just have a question for you. I'm glad you got that assignment today where you got to read all the tough names. Did you practice ahead of time? <laughs> no. I think I've shared my secret with you. Now, um, just, just, just a little tip for those of you who, if, if you're in a class and the teacher ever calls on you to read, and you've got this list of names, just read it with every ounce of confidence you have. Even if you mispronounce it, if you do it with confidence, people will go, oh, I didn't know that's how it's pronounced, and they'll assume you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a great job, Lynn. Thanks for doing that. So, GB, uh, one of the reasons uh, that we, we wanted you to write this study was because there is a lot of biblical background and information from uh, things like Biblical Illustrator to help us better understand what was going on. If we just read these words, it's one thing, but to know some of the history and the background uh, really, I think, enriches this study. So I want you to take a few moments to talk about uh, what's going on in the world at this time. Absolutely. It does make a difference to know that. When we think about Israel, we think about the nation that David ruled. Saul, David, Solomon. 
we know that after Solomon's death, Israel divided northern kingdom, southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Israel, southern was Judah. And uh, neither one of them were ever as strong as Israel had been by itself. In 722, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel fell to Assyria. The southern kingdom fell to Babylon in 586. Well, what's taking place here is that this falls in the time frame in which Assyria had been the leading nation. In 605, the nation of Israel fell to the Babylonians, and the Babylonians began to deport those. And that's where we get these, this information in these verses, that among those who were deported in 605 were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I am going to cheat and use the easier to pronounce names than Lynn did. Um, and part of what they did is the Babylonians just took the best and the brightest. They took the people who were the most capable, and they wanted to do that so that they could build a strong nation in Babylon, also um, weaken the nations that were left behind. So that's what had taken place before this. And the deportation that is taking place here is the first of three. Um, these occurred in 605, as we mentioned, in 598. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar came back, laid siege to Jerusalem again, took 10,000 captives, including Ezekiel. And finally, Israel fell to the Babylonians in 586 BC. It was no more. And 586 was when Jerusalem ultimately fell. So this is what is known as the Babylonian exile. It is the Babylonian exile. Exactly so. <clears throat> and they remained in exile for about um, five decades. It wasn't until 538. Uh, Persia had risen to ascendancy, had conquered the Babylonians, and the first king, King Cyrus, issued a decree that allowed people to return to their homelands, and many people returned from ancient Babylon back to Judah. So a lot of what we do in dating and, and establishing timelines is based on that information, that the, the first wave of deportees is this group with Daniel and, and his three friends. I'll, I'll, I'll do, do that easier. Uh, and then there were other subsequent ones. Uh, let me remind our listeners that, that uh, Daniel and Ezekiel, who you mentioned, and Jeremiah, are all contemporaries and they're writing about the same events and same things that are going on. Uh, I think we'll have a, have a reference to Jeremiah in a subsequent session. So what we see here in this passage as, as we begin in Daniel is the king is brought in with his first deportation. He's also got what he what they consider the brightest and the best. Uh, and good looking too. Good looking. So Chris, we know that you, brightest, <laughs> best, good looking, you be in this group. But the idea is uh, they're going to serve the king, and to do that, there's an assumption they're going to be assimilated into that whole Babylonian culture to be a part of that. Uh, and uh, the principle we're kind of seeing here is we understand this, too, when the world expects us to kind of conform to what they, they do. And so um, that's what's expected here, this idea that you're going to assimilate, you're going to be a part of us. Now, assimilation, for, I think for a lot of pe people, they kind of think that's a bad word. Uh, you know, it's if, for those who are Star Trekkies, and I'm not, but I have seen the episodes where there's this entity out there called the Borg that tries to assimilate the people. And it's a bad thing because you're going to lose your identity. 
but assimilation is not a bad, it can be, but it's not always a bad thing. But uh, there was a time in our American history where people came to our country, immigrants came and they expected to assimilate. They wanted to learn the language. They wanted to be a part of the culture. It's not that they were giving up their heritage, uh, whether it's uh, Eastern European or whatever their heritage might be, but they did recognize I'm coming to America. So therefore I'm going to assimilate into becoming a part of America. And there's an element here. That's what's happening with uh, Daniel and, and, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, and I understand it's not bad because it's talk about how he gave them new names. There's nothing said about that. Uh, wanting them to learn the culture, wanting them to learn the language, learning to learn all these things. You don't see any pushback on these things. But when you come to verse 8, we see pushback from Daniel. Let me take us to verse 8, and let's see what Daniel did. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. Now, GB, just ask this question. They accept they were willing to learn the, the language, a little bit about the culture. They even accepted these new names. What's up with the food? Why wouldn't he touch the food? They would not touch food because it had significance beyond just nourishment. Concerning food, there were a couple of things that the Israelites held on to. One of those was that there are certain foods that we are prohibited from eating. Now that goes back um, to the time when the children of Israel were going into the land of Canaan and God began to set up uh, rules for them about how they're to live. And part of those were dietary rules. And Deuteronomy chapter 14 says, you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. You must not eat any detestable thing. And so that was, that was the, the, requirement. Well, he begins to outline what those detestable things were. They were things like uh, bats and lizards and swine. And Wait a minute. Nobody wants to eat bats and lizards and eagles, right? Dude, let me tell you, if you're hungry enough, I, I think I, I wonder about the guy who ate uh, the first clam. How hungry or oyster would you have to be to open that up and go, that's my supper. But for us Southern boys, there's also the pork, the catfish, and the sh and sh catfish and shrimp. Bacon. I'm telling you. It, and and lobster, you know, for those in New England, it, it, it was those were part of the list of the rules that were prohibited. And, and the deal was that God wanted his people to be set apart to be different. So the reason that the Israelites were so concerned about that is because they wanted to reflect the fact that they were 
following a God who had set them apart from all of the other religions and cultures. The second reason was because people sacrificed and gave food as sacrifices to their gods. And th this was a, a common practice. It was practiced by a lot of different peoples. You go back to Acts chapter 10. I know that's New Testament. You look at Acts chapter 10. Um, Cornelius lived in Caesarea. Uh, angel appeared to him, said, send some people to Joppa. Go get Simon Peter and bring him back. And while they're on their way to uh, Caesarea, then the Lord gives uh, Simon Peter a vision, the large sheet coming down and the four-footed animals, the reptiles and all of that, and said, Peter, eat. And this is what Peter said, no, Lord, for I have never eaten anything impure and ritualistically unclean. And so they held on to this Old Testament teaching, even into the early days of the church. Of course, the Lord said, don't call anything that I have made unclean. And he went and he ate. P part of being separate and not contaminating yourself was also not to step foot in the houses of those who did eat those foods. So when we say be separate, they did everything they could to really separate themselves. So that's part of the reason that Daniel was saying, listen, there are a lot of things I can't control, but there are some things I can and that which I can control is what I put in my mouth, and I'm refusing to eat anything that God would consider unclean. So the principle here then is, even as the even as we assimilate to things in the culture, there is a point we have to draw a line on those things we will not compromise on. Exactly. So again, Daniel, uh, Daniel and company, learning the language, learning the culture. But when it came to the food, because of the Old Testament law, uh, that, that law they practiced, they would not defile themselves. Before we move forward, Lynn, we do need to think about, so what does this mean for us today? That's part of what we do with Bible Studies for Life is how do we apply this passage to us? And one of the questions that we ask is how, how do we distinguish between matters of preference and issues of conviction? How do we draw the line? What what helps us in making those kind of decisions. And my hope is that this will create some conversation uh, with people in our classes. I think they're going to have fun talking about uh, pork chops and bacon and barbecue. Uh, but at the same time, um, so what does that mean for us? What are some things in our culture where we're asked to do things that um, goes against either our preference or our biblical convictions, and how do we handle that? I would dare say that food would not be much of an issue for us in our culture, although for me, uh, it is a preference and a conviction that I will not eat sushi. Uh, I've tried Amen. it, Amen. but I will not eat it again. So food may not be an issue for us today, but there are other issues when you think about the things I will watch the things uh, the the media feeds me. Uh, where's that line? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna beyond this line. I'm not gonna cross this line. Maybe things we're called or expected to do at uh, our jobs. Uh, things we're expected to do uh, because we are affiliated with an organization. A variety of things that multiple things we could talk about in all our different groups. Alcohol might be a. a topic that will come up uh, in some of our groups and 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 maybe other uh, recreational drugs. And, and Chris, alongside that, there is the tension we're going to face between this is my conviction and standing on a conviction 
yet not appearing, to, uh, yet not isolating myself from the world. Now, as, as believers, we are called to be holy, to be set apart. But how do I navigate that tension between I'm standing on my convictions, yet at the same time, not so isolate myself from the world that I can't be an influence for Christ? So what I want to do now is I want us to skip down to verse 17. So what happened uh, before what I'm going to read is Daniel and the three, his three friends, they stuck to their, their own special diet. And at the end of that time period, they did come out looking better and stronger than the others. Uh, so that they, they won favor for that conviction and standing their ground. But I want to come to verse 17 and see how God responded. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time that the king had set to present them, has said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, none was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king. So this is three years later. They've gone through this training, they've indoctrination, uh, assimilation, and in the end, uh, they're the top of the class. Yes. And I just love what I see here is that regardless of the situation they were put in, regardless of the culture they had been placed in, they served as they should, and they still served and stood for the Lord and what they did. Again, one of the questions that we ask in the study is, what helps you to stand firm in your convictions? What helps you to stand strong in what your beliefs are? And so we want to take it beyond just Daniel and his three friends experience to what does this mean for us? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for the people in my group? What does it mean for our church to stand on our, according to our convictions? I think one of the important things that is a lesson, a takeaway from this is that Daniel and his three friends had an excellent foundation in what it meant to be the people of God from the days of their youth before they were taken into Babylonian captivity. And I think that this says something to the church about the role and responsibility that we have to make sure that I, from, from the earliest age, we began to establish some of the foundations, some of the principles that are unchanging that will allow people's lives to be affected positively and in a godly way, regardless of what the culture does or, or what's going on around them. I think that solid, strong foundation is unmovable so many times, or people come back to it, and how important that is for the church to take that role. I appreciate you saying that, GB. I think that's really true. So how old do you think these guys were when they were taken into captivity, and how old are they then at the end of this three-year period? We know Daniel was about 15, and when he was taken, he was born in 620 B.C. This happened in 605, so he was 15, and many think that his three friends were roughly the same age, maybe just a little bit older than him, but probably still in their teens. So they were teens, young adults, wherever you draw that line. That's the age group they were when they went into captivity. So add three years to that, and that's where they were. So this reinforces what you just said. Uh, these guys were established. We, we're not told all of the uh, about their background or their home life, but they obviously knew what their 
their Jewish background, their dietary laws, uh, stood on, had deep convictions about those things and, and, and stood firm in those convictions. Absolutely. And they had doubtless both heard what their parents had to say about God and his word, but beyond that, they had seen their parents practice holiness in their homeland. And those had to leave an indelible impression on those young guys' lives. There's a good lesson there for all of us in that. And as, as we think about this idea that we are to um, not let our circumstances define who we are, but our convictions, I think one of the valuable things that we've hit upon is I need to look at my own personal convictions and consider my stand on God's word, but let's not lose sight of the value we have of being part of a Bible study group that we can help one another. How can we stand together? How can we encourage each other in our stand for Christ? GB, thank you for joining us for this discussion. Thank you for letting me be here. This has been a great joy. So, GB, you'll be back with us in a couple of weeks when we do session four. So we look forward to having you with our uh, with us on our podcast then. And again, we want to thank you guys for listening to our podcast and hope it's been helpful to you as you enter in this time of Bible study, as you look together at uh, the book of Daniel. 